Andrew Womack Ministries presents part one in the How to Follow God's Will series, a five-part album. This message is titled, Following the Desires of Your Heart. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Praise God. I'm going to be teaching a series this weekend about how to fulfill God's will for your life. And uh, let me just introduce this by saying that I had a teaching uh, a three-part series on how to find God's will for your life. And then I had another teaching entitled, How to Fulfill Your Destiny. And I combined those two teachings into one teaching that I taught in Orlando a few weeks ago about how to find God's will. Then this is going to all be about how to follow God's will. There's a big difference between finding and following. And then the third series, which is the next GTS, is going to be about how to fulfill God's will. Because what I've discovered is that most people want to find God's will for their life, but they actually have no plan about how to do it. They just kind of hope that it happens. And they... A lot of people don't even have the confidence that you can know for certain what God's will for your life is. But they just kind of are depending on fate to somehow or another make this happen. They desire to fulfill God's will, but they don't even know for sure what it is. And I am convinced that unless you get a goal, unless you know what God's will for your life is, you are not going to accidentally fulfill it. It doesn't just sovereignly come to pass. And anyway, I've spent a lot teaching in that first set on that. But this is something that you need to understand, that you need to get a revelation of God's will for your life. And I went to great lengths to show that God has separated every person in here from your mother's womb. There's scriptures in Psalms 139, Galatians 1, 5, uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, and other places that talk about that every one of us were separated while we were still in our mother's womb. God had a purpose for your life. Whether your parents knew you were coming or not, God knew it. And God had a plan for you. And you only have one shot to fulfill, to find and fulfill God's will for your life. You aren't going to accidentally do it. And it's amazing. Now, most people let circumstances just kind of control their life. You know, it's similar to water. I remember in school they taught us that water always seeks the lowest level. Any of you remember that? That water will always just flow to the lowest level. It will always take the easiest course, the path of least resistance. And sad to say, that's the way that a lot of people's lives are. They let life just kind of push them around. And depending on what problems or what things happen in their life, they let things just kind of move them and control them. And I tell you, every person that I'm aware of in the Word of God who made a difference, and you can look at their life and say it counted, that they found God's will. Things were different because God flowed through them supernaturally. There's not a single person that just accidentally had this happen. They had an encounter with God. God touched their life. He set a goal in front of them, and they had to pursue it. And so finding out what God's will for your life is, is just absolutely critical. And again, based not only on this last Gospel Truth Seminar we have, but just my contact with people in general. I've done this many times and I've had spirit-filled Christians, people who love God, people who are seeking God, people who are trying to serve God. 
I've given an invitation and I've said, how many of you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are doing what God has called you to do? If you don't know it, I want you to stand and we're going to pray for you. And it is not uncommon in a meeting like this to have 80 or 90% of Spirit-filled Christians stand and say they don't know. They're hoping that they're headed in the right direction, but they don't have any assurance. And I'm telling you, that is not what the Scriptures teach. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Don't be ignorant, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's a command. Amen. It's not only possible for some people, God commanded you to know what His will is. God wants you to know His will for your life more than you want to know it. And I tell you, unless you have a clear purpose, it doesn't mean that you know everything because I, you know, it's steps and stages, but unless you have a goal, a direction for your life, then when things get hard, you are going to fall by the wayside. You aren't going to persevere unless you know that, God, I know you have this goal for me and I am not stopping short of it. And it's amazing to me how many people go through their life without this kind of motivation and assurance. And I'm not saying this to scold anybody. I'm saying it to encourage you and to motivate you. But I'm telling you that God made us for more than what most of us are experiencing. Most people are shooting at nothing and hitting it every time. I'm telling you that there is more to life than getting up and going to work and coming home and sitting down and watching TV and going to bed and getting up and then doing it all over again. I'm not saying that God you know, doesn't want you to work and do things, but I'm saying that there's more to life than just putting in you know, your, your time and getting a pension or enough so that you can go out and enjoy your latter years and dying and being gone and nobody knew that you were here. God's never made a piece of junk. God's never made a failure. Every one of you have the potential of being something absolutely awesome. And that doesn't mean that every person is going to be known worldwide. But you know what? God doesn't want everybody out in front of the camera or up in front of the, the multitudes. Not everybody is going to be doing some, something that the world considers great. But there are people around you that you influence. And I could spend $10 million a month on television and those people will never hear of me. I'll never reach them. But you have influence on them. People at the convenience store, your mailman, relatives, friends, neighbors. There are people that you touch that nobody else touches. And unless you find God's purpose and will for your life and begin to fulfill it and step out, you've got other people's miracles on the inside of you that are going to go undelivered. And people will be struggling physically. They'll be struggling with diseases and you're the one that's carrying the power of God and they aren't going to receive their miracle unless you find out what God's purpose is and begin to fulfill it. Amen? I'm not going to go back and preach those five messages, but I got close. So anyway, I encourage you to please, you know, I'm going to go on and I'm going to assume here that people know that God has a will and a destiny for you. And one other thing I need to say, because this is going to be essential to what I minister tonight. But the scriptures that God used to change my life was Romans 12, 1 and 2. Those were the very first verses that God ever really spoke to me. And that says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This isn't just for the super saint. This isn't just for the preachers. This is for Joe Blow and Jane Doe, Christian. Every one of us, it is reasonable. It is not unreasonable to think that if Jesus died for us, the least we should do is live for Him. He wants us to present our body as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service. Some translations say our normal or our uh, reasonable Christian duty. This is, this is for everyone. We should be a living sacrifice. And then the second thing in verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world. Big statement there. Big statement. And again, brothers and sisters, I'm not saying this to be hard on anybody, but trying to bring us up to another level. You know, this is the cream of the crop right here. This is Thursday night. This isn't your nod to God crowd. You guys are fanatics or either a fanatic drug you here, amen. You're, you're maybe a cut above the average Christian and yet I can guarantee you that there are people right here in this room that if you were arrested for being a Christian, there wouldn't be enough evidence to convict you. There's people at your workplace that would be shocked to find out that you're a believer. Shocked to find out that you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues or healing or miracles or shocked to find out that you'd come out to a service on a Thursday night. That's not to criticize anybody, but I'm saying that, you know what? We have been conformed to this world. There are many of us that aren't reflecting God. How is it that you are not conformed to this world? It says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. That word transformed is a Greek word, metamorpho. It's a word that we use to get metamorphosis from. If you want to change like a worm spins a cocoon and then comes out on the other side a butterfly, something that was earthbound and now it flies and it's beautiful. If you want transformation in your life like that, the scripture says you do it by the renewing of your mind. And the number one way that God has given us to renew our mind is right here, the Word of God. This is, these are His thoughts. These are His values. And you are not going to be renewed and transformed unless you know the Word of God, unless it is real to you and alive to you. If you don't really know God's Word, I can guarantee you whether you understand it or not, you are conformed to this world. We are under the guilt and the condemnation and the depression and the unbelief of this world. And this is where the vast majority of the body of Christ lives because they haven't really saturated themselves with the Word of God. And the last part of that verse says that if you do these things, you will prove. The word prove means to make manifest to your physical senses what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. So the number one way that you find God's will for your life is by just giving yourself completely to God, making yourself a living sacrifice, totally acceptable unto Him. And then you get into the Word of God and renew your mind and you would have to backslide on God to keep from finding His will. He will plant things in your way. He will begin to start moving in your life in such a way that you couldn't miss God's will. It's not hard to find God's will. The Lord wants you to know it. 
But it's a shame that most of us either don't believe that God has a specific will for each of us. Maybe this is only reserved for the preachers. But no, God has a specific plan for every single one of you. Or if you believe He's got it, some people think it's just so hard to find. It's not hard to find, but you've got to go through this little narrow gate called being a living sacrifice and make a commitment to the Lord. And if you will commit yourself to the Lord, I guarantee you God will reveal Himself to you and awesome things will begin to happen. If you aren't excited about your life, you know what? If you're bored, if you're depressed, I can guarantee you it's not your hormones. It's the fact that you don't have a goal. You don't have a vision. You don't understand what God's will for your life is. When you find the Lord's will and God reveals Himself to you, God is going to call you to do something that's beyond your natural ability. I can guarantee you that. If, it's, if you think that, well, I know what God's will is and I can handle it, you don't know what God's will is. God is supernatural and God is going to call you to do something that's beyond your natural ability. It'll, beyond, it'll be beyond your reach and grasp. And the reason He does that is because He wants you to be dependent upon Him. He doesn't, he's not going to call you to do something that you can do in yourself. It'll be bigger than you so that you'll have to rely upon Him. And this is one reason that so many people miss the will of God is because they're just looking at themselves in the natural, thinking, what are my natural abilities? What, do I, what can I do? And they pick and choose what their life is about based on your own talents and abilities. That is not it. God wants you to operate supernaturally. Matter of fact, if you wanted to read a resume or a job wanted Add by the Lord. Look at this over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is a little bit off where I was headed, but this will bless you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says in verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in His presence. This is just like if God had a bulletin board and he says, you know, help wanted. And he says, here's your qualifications. If you are not wise, if you're weak, if you are not noble, if you consider yourself to be foolish, if you're weak, if you're base, if you're despised, apply within. This is not the way that men look at things. And you know, some people think, well, this excludes me. It really doesn't. <laughs> you may not understand that, but I don't care if you got a degree behind your name. You could have 32 degrees and still be frozen. It doesn't matter how educated you are in the natural. When it comes to God, you, you, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. There are so many scriptures that say, don't lean under your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. 
If you are really enamored with who you are and what you can do, then I can guarantee you, you have not encountered God's will for your life. Thank you for that one head nod. (laughs) A lot of people don't like that because again, most of us are trying to accomplish things in our own strength and in our own power and we go to great lengths to get all of this education and do these things. I'm telling you, God is going to call you to do something that's beyond you. If you can do it, you don't need God. God is going to call you to do something supernatural. Did you know what I'm doing right here? I used to be an introvert, couldn't look at a person in the face and talk to them. This, was, this is absolutely impossible. Some of you don't understand that. You don't appreciate it, but I do. This is absolutely impossible. God called me to do something that if you would have been checking off my list of natural things that I had talents and abilities for, it wouldn't have been speaking in front of people. Amen. God will call you to do something that is beyond you. God is looking for weak, base, despised things. You know, I had a guy one time that uh, came to hear me in Denver, Colorado, and he had been called to the ministry for 12 years, but when he tried to go into the ministry, his wife got mad and divorced him and left, and he, his family fell apart. He lost his job. Just He was struggling, and for 12 years, he'd been called into the ministry, and he came and heard me and saw miracles happen. People got healed, delivered, saved, Things happened. And anyway, he wrote in a letter. My mother just thought this was hilarious. So she brought it to me so I could read it. And he says, told me all of this. And he says, I was called to the ministry for 12 years and thought God couldn't use me. But after seeing God use you, he says, I decided I could go into the ministry. If God could use you, he can use anybody. And my mother just thought that was hilarious. But I said, man, I know exactly what he's talking about. I had another letter and somebody says, why do you have to be a hick from Texas before God will use you and put me in the, you know, in the category with some other people? And I said, it's because hicks from Texas know that we hadn't got a chance. We need God. And there are some of you that maybe you've got greater talents and abilities than I do, but the reason that you aren't being used is because you depend upon yourself and you are only doing what you have ability to do. And God is wanting you to do something greater. You know, I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. Nobody has the ability to do that. Nobody in your natural self can see people raised from the dead. And yet God gave every one of us a command to go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. See, if you're one of these, that you're just trying to do your best and then you ask God to bless it. You're missing God's will. God doesn't want you to do your best. And ask God to bless it. God has a plan for you that's beyond you. And once you find out what God's will is, you never have to ask for God's blessing on it. God would be unjust to call you to do something and expect you to do it in your own natural strength and ability. If God told you to do something and if you know God told you to do it, then there's automatically with the calling comes an enabling, an anointing that enables you to do what God told you to do. And once you understand this, it makes a Christian life so much easier. And I really believe that this is one reason so many people are frustrated is because they want to be 
They want to be godly. They want their life to count, but they are doing their thing in their own strength and their own ability and asking God to bless it, not sure that God is totally behind it. And man, it'll wear you out. But there is a supernatural ability that once you know what God has called you to do, it just changes everything. And you've got to find that. You only have one chance to reach your full potential. And if, perchance, you're one of these people that is so talented you can survive on your talents and abilities, I pity you. Because that means that you tend to rely upon yourself. It's a blessing. It's a blessing to be in a situation where, God, if you don't come through, I've had it. It makes you God-dependent. I teach our students that, you know what, there ought to be a godly fear on the inside of you when you stand up to minister the Word. Instead of you being so confident in your ability... It's good for you to recognize, God, I need you. Amen. 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 Look over in Psalms chapter 37. I want to share something really simple with you. And this is dependent upon some of the things that I've already said before you can operate in this. This is so simple, you're going to have to have somebody to help you to misunderstand what I'm saying. This is really going to be simple. And it's going to be so simple that some of you are going to think, no, it's got to be more complicated than this. This is really simple. But it's profound. And it, 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 I guarantee you it will make a huge difference in your life if you can understand and receive what I'm talking about right here. Psalms chapter 37, verse 1, he says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And it goes on. There's a lot of great scriptures here. But I was wanting to focus your attention on verse 4. This is really simple. But it says, delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart. Did you know most people interpret this? That God will just give you the things that you desire. And maybe what you desire is a million dollar house. You desire this job. You desire this promotion. You desire this car. And God's going to give you the desires of your heart. Some of you desire somebody else's wife. And God is not going to give you that desire. This is not a carte blanche that is just whatever it is that you want. God is going to give it to you. You know what this is saying? This is saying that when you delight yourself in the Lord, God puts His desires... In your heart. When a person is truly seeking the Lord and saying, God, I love you and I want your will. And you are seeking God with your whole heart. Did you know what will happen is God will change the desires of your heart so that you start desiring godly things. Probably most of you in here have experienced this. When you got born again, there were probably some of you that were you know, committing adultery or doing dope or alcohol or who knows whatever it is that you were doing. And when you truly gave your life to the Lord and put Him first in your life, all of a sudden you just change. I mean, God changes you. Now, that doesn't mean that you necessarily have total victory over all of these things that you used to do because the Scripture talks about 
that if you've been preached the law, the strength of sin is the law. If you've had people tell you that God won't bless you, God doesn't love you unless you're living holy and doing all of that, that actually strengthens sin in your life. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says the strength of sin is the law. If people are telling you that you've got to be holy before God will bless you, that will strengthen sin and defeat you. But if you are truly born again, even if you've been under that condemnation, you no longer enjoy it the way you used to. Some of you used to do things and you just went out and you sinned and did stuff and hardly had a thought about it. But if you've truly been born again, even if you aren't living a victorious life, at least you aren't enjoying it. At least you know you're wrong and you're saying, oh God, help me to get over it. That's a sign, see, that when you put God in your life, God changes the desires of your heart. Things that you used to do and not feel any conviction about, now you feel conviction about it. Probably nearly everybody in here has experienced that to some degree. And I'm telling you that as you really commit your life to the Lord and put Him first in your life, that this just accelerates and brings you to a place where if you can truthfully say that you are delighting yourself in the Lord, then God is the one who is ordering the desires of your heart. Now that's a big if, and I want to just emphasize this. Because there's some people that could say, oh yeah, I'm delighting myself in the Lord. Really, this goes along with what I was uh, saying earlier out of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that you have to make yourself a living sacrifice. That's just our normal duty. You have to be a living sacrifice committed to God, which not every Christian is there. You have to be totally committed, sold out to God. This doesn't mean that you're perfect, but you desire to seek God with your whole heart. All of us are having to deal with flesh. All of us have to deal with the fact that we live in a sinful world and that we have thoughts and emotions and sometimes we obey them and act incorrectly. I'm not saying that you are living perfect, but I'm saying that you should have a desire that God, I want to live for you more than I want to live for me. And if you are doing that, that's delighting yourself in the Lord. And if you are doing that, then God will put His desires into your heart. That is super simple. You know, I was talking with Tom. We were driving today on uh, the interstate here. And we were talking about Atlanta and about all of the traffic and all of the people. And um, anyway, Tom was telling me that when he and Cindy drove through here, one of the first times they drove through Atlanta, they were driving through and they got stuck in a traffic jam. And he said something to the effect of, Who would ever want to live in Atlanta? Is that what you said? Huh? Oh, yeah. Why, why would anybody want to live in this God-forsaken city? That's what he said. But did you know that then God spoke to him? And God told him to come here. And you know what? Now he loves it. He loves living here. He says, man, that his whole family is just so excited about it and everything. You know, I can relate to that, that I said nearly word for word the first time I ever drove through Pritchett, Colorado. Jamie and I had Don and Wendy Crow in the car with us. And we drove through this little tiny place. The only, it was just a straight road. 
within uh, no trees. It was on eastern Colorado, and there's no trees anywhere in all of Baca County except in these little tiny towns, 144 people in Pritchett. And you come in and you make a turn and go through about five houses and turn and you're gone. (laughs) And when we drove through Pritchett, Colorado, 144 people, I I said, who would live in this God forsaken place? And I looked over at Don and started prophesying and said, thus saith the Lord, I believe that God has called you and Wendy to Pritchett, Colorado. And I started joking with them. You know, it wasn't two months until I was living in Pritchett, Colorado. I think that God kind of has a sense of humor. You got to be careful what you say. But did you know that when we moved to Pritchett, Colorado, we had a church of 10 people in a town of 144 people and the next closest town was 30 miles away. There wasn't a house in between those towns. I mean, it's not totally at the end of the earth, but you can see it from Pritchett, Colorado. (laughs) And yet, you know, when we moved there, I loved it. I loved it. I'd have been content to stay in Pritchett forever. I just fell in love with it. And see, this is one of the ways that God leads you is the fact that if you all of a sudden get a desire that you know is just totally contrary to what you would naturally do, and yet you've just got this desire, the thing you have to do is to check, am I really delighting in the Lord? Am I really putting God first? Am I really exalting God above myself? And if you can say yes, and you know the scripture says that the heart knows its own bitterness. If you would be honest, you can know whether or not God's first in your life. If God's not first in your life, you can't do this because if, if God isn't first in your life, you're going to lust after things and desire things that aren't God. You know, I was brought up in the Baptist church and they literally said this when they were teaching about how to find God's will. They said, whatever you want to do, do the exact opposite and that's God. I was told that. And did you know that that's true if you are a carnal Christian, a Christian that doesn't put God first and that you are self-serving and you aren't committed to God, then it's true. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the carnal mind is in enmity with God, the enemy of God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And if you are going to be just born again, saved and stuck, waiting on heaven, but you haven't made a commitment of your life and you aren't seeking God with your whole heart, then yes, your desires are not God's desires. And if you aren't truly committed to God, then you can't trust the desires of your heart. But this is one of the greatest revelations that God ever gave me is if you are committed to God and if you have truly made that commitment, again, doesn't mean you're perfect, but if you are committed to God, You know what? God will put His desires in your heart and you can be led by the desires of your heart. That is really simple. But it's profound. That is awesome. I could tell you a hundred stories about all of this. About in my life, how God has led me. And some of the greatest decisions I've made in my life were, were made from this little principle that I'm sharing with you. 
You know, when the Lord first touched my life, March the 23rd, 1968, one of the very first things that happened was I fell so in love with God. God was so big to me that I lost a desire for anything else. I was in my first year of college and I had loved college prior to this time. I was excited about going to college and, you know, being out on my own and all of it was exciting. I loved college. It was great. And when I fell in love with the Lord, I fell out of love with college. And I got to where I not only didn't like college, I hated it. I mean, I hated it. It just, it bothered me. I can't, I don't have the words to describe to you how much I hated college all of a sudden. Now, that's not for everybody, but God didn't want me to go through four years of secular college and become a teacher, a math major is what I was uh, majoring in. That's not His will for me. And one of the ways that God directed me was He just took away all of that desire for a secular education school that, and He just put my heart in a totally different direction. And did you know, it, it literally turned me and put my life on a course that I would have had to have backslid on God to keep from doing what God has called me to do. And you know how it all got started? I wasn't sharp enough. I didn't hear an audible voice from God or anything like that. But when I fell in love with God, I fell out of love with all of these other things. And the desire of my heart totally changed me. I'm going to give more detail on that and um, couple this with something that will really help you this week. But it was because a desire changed in my life. Did you know I never wanted a Bible school? I had people ask me hundreds of times, man, you need to start a Bible school. Would you do something that would help us to get grounded in the Word and much more? And I've had people say that, man, the tapes, the CDs aren't enough. Is there some way that you could mentor us, that you could teach us? And you know what? I never wanted a Bible school because I had met people who graduated from Bible schools. And they really bothered me because they came out with knowledge. You know, the scripture says that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. 1 Corinthians 8.1 And I saw people that had this knowledge and a superior attitude thinking I'm better than you because they could quote a verse or could do something. But they didn't have a better relationship with God. They didn't love God more. And I was really, I just didn't want my name associated with something like that. And I didn't want a Bible school. But I had a strong desire to disciple people. So I was trying to do everything I could to disciple people without having a Bible school. It's a long story. I won't go into the whole thing. But in, Mark, in uh, the summer of 1993, I was in the UK and I heard a man say that if you aren't discipling people and putting what God has done on the inside of you inside of other people, he says, you're a failure. He says, it doesn't matter if you reach 1,000 people, 10,000 people, 100,000 people. Your time on this earth is limited. And unless you can take what's in you and put it in other people, you are ultimately a failure. We are supposed to go make disciples and not converts. And I knew those things. I believed it. And it just stirred something in me when he said it. And I thought, God, how can I touch people in a greater way? How can I equip them and help them to start walking in the abundant life that you've made? And the Lord spoke to me, Bible school. And I thought, no, no. The reason, anyway, it's a long story. I won't go into the whole thing. The Lord showed me a new approach to a Bible school. 
Yes, we have teaching where you teach the Word and stuff, but it's a lot beyond that. And part of our Bible school is you have to go on a foreign missions trip. You have to start taking the things that you've learned and putting them into practice. You have to act it out. And you get a lot of personal interaction with all of the instructors and stuff. And it's a different, it's a different approach. It's got some of the same things, but it really is unique. And anyway, when the Lord showed this to me, did you know that I mean just like that in one service, in less than an hour's time, I went from absolutely not, no, never, to where, God, I want a Bible school. I mean, I wanted a Bible school. I saw it. I saw what it could do. God showed me. And did you know, I mean, boom, just like that, my heart flipped. And we started the Bible school. God never did speak to me in an audible voice. I didn't have it confirmed by three goosebumps and a prophecy. You know what it was? It was the desire of my heart. And it was such a radical change that I knew that this isn't me. Because for 15 years, I had fought against it and said, never, never, never. And all of a sudden, man, I wanted a Bible school. Did you know starting television was the same way? Now, I knew that someday I'd be on television. I'd been on a lot of other people's programs. I'd had good results, and there was an anointing there, and I knew that someday it had happened, but you know what? I knew it was also expensive. I knew it wasn't time, and I was just kind of biding my time. And in the summer of 1998... I mean, I was sitting down thinking about where our ministry was, how we were going to accomplish these goals. And I sat down at the rate our ministry was growing. Before I could really reach America, this was just America, not the whole world, but before I could reach America with the truths God had given me, I figured it out. At the rate we had been growing, I'd be something like 150 at the rate we were going. And I said, God, you know, this isn't working. What do we have to do? And all of a sudden, I sat down and thought about television. And I thought, oh, no, that's way down the road. But I, as I thought about it, all of a sudden, I had a desire to do it. I sat down and actually drew a picture of the set that we're using. All of a sudden, I saw myself. I knew I wasn't going to be wearing a three-piece suit and standing there and saying, glory to God, uh, and wiping the fevered brow. And I just wanted to talk to people and explain the word to them. And I mean, I saw things and within, I mean, within an hour, I was so excited about television. Like, man, I've got to do this. I want to be on television. And it was a total 180 degree turn from where I'd been. And I wanted it. And that was such a big decision that, you know, here's what I do. When, when my desires change and all of a sudden I think that God is leading me through a desire, especially if there's going to be big consequences to it, you know what I'll do? I'll just make sure that I am delighting myself in the Lord with all of my heart. And so if I, if I have any question about that, I'll fast. I'll turn off television. I'll get away from other people. I'll just get in a place to where my mind is totally stayed upon God. I won't listen to anything else. I'll seek God with my whole heart. I'll get in and worship and pray and study the Word and just seek God stronger than I have been. And if the desire diminishes... 
then I'll say, you know what? That was probably my flesh because when I get to seeking the Lord and delighting myself in the Lord, the desire decreases. But if I get to seeking God with all of my heart and the desire increases and I start getting further revelation and more understanding about it and it gets stronger and stronger, then I, I have based my life on the fact that if I am seeking God, delighting myself in the Lord, He will put His desires in my heart. And based on nothing but that, I have made these decisions. We started our Bible school. Our, Jamie and I both believe that, you know, if the Lord tarries, that we are going to impact entire nations and probably have a greater impact through training other people than what we could ever do on our own. Through television, we have reached people that I would have never reached just being on radio or doing the things that I was doing. And, you know, every one of these things that I'm telling you about came through just seeking God putting your desire on God and God putting His desires in my heart. And I followed this and I'm telling you, it's working. God is doing awesome things for us and I am absolutely, absolutely confident that I am on the right path. I haven't arrived, but praise God, I've left. I'm moving in the right direction. I know I'm where God wants me to be and I'm telling you, this is how it happens is by putting God absolutely first in your life and then following the desires of your heart. You know, I've got Kevin and Rachel Kuntz out here, my niece. And what are you, what are you my nephew-in-law? Is that the right way of saying it? But anyway, they were in Brownwood, Texas. And you know, they had a good thing going. They had a radio program and they were involved in a church, praise and worship leaders. And they were involved in a large organization that the guy wanted them to stay and be a part of their organization, had a lot of opportunities, and yet they just lost their desire to do what they were doing, and they felt like God was leading them in another direction. And did you know nearly everybody associated with them, including this guy that was over the ministry, who was a good friend of theirs, and he's also a friend of mine, he thought they lost their mind. And they just made some decisions, and... Those decisions have led them here to Atlanta. They love it. And God has blessed them. They've got a group of friends around them. I met some of them tonight. And they are productive. Their kids are blessed. And you know how they got here? By just putting God first. And God changed the desires of their heart. And they, they didn't go with their head. Again, please listen to what I'm saying. Most people will not follow your heart. You let... The conventional wisdom dominates you. Conventional wisdom was that, you know what, they left a decent paying job where their needs were met. There was advances and opportunities for promotion. And yet they left that. And for a period of time, they struggled financially. And I mean in the natural, it didn't look smart. Most people would lean unto their own understanding. And they would say, but you know what, financially I can't do this. And they let circumstances and they let money dictate to them. And they aren't following the desires of their heart. Brothers and sisters, listen to this. I believe that this is a word from God. There are many of you sitting right here that if you were to just all of a sudden, if, if you could do this mentally and say, let's just forget all of my financial obligations. Forget all of the, you know, the fact that I'm this many years away from retirement and getting all of my retirement, my pension fund. 
Forget what your family has to say about it. Forget your fears and phobias about what you can and cannot do. Just take every restriction off of you so that, you know, nothing is holding you back. And, you, and if I asked you, what do you want to do? I bet you that the majority of people sitting right here in this room are not doing what you really want to do. And that is, life is too short to do that. And some of you have prayed, God, what do you want me to do? Your desires are telling you what He wants you to do. If you are really putting God first and if you really love God, what is it that you want to do? I couldn't tell you how many students have come to me and we teach a lot on vision and believing God and making your life count. We tell people that if you aren't living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. <laughs> you need to be out there. You need to be doing something. This isn't a dress rehearsal. This is the real deal, amen. You only get one chance. Is anybody going to miss you when you're gone? Have you made a difference? We preach a lot of vision and because of that, I've had students come to me before and say, man, it's getting near the end of school and I still don't know what God wants me to do. And I've prayed and I just hadn't heard a thing. And you know what I'll do is sit down and do something similar and say, forget money right now. Just act like you got billions of dollars. Money's not even an issue. Forget what your parents, what your relatives, what your whoever has said. Forget past experiences where you feel like I'm a failure in this area. I can't do it. Just forget all of this stuff. And if there were no restrictions on you, what do you want to do? And you know, sometimes people will say, well, I don't really want to do anything. But everybody, everybody, everybody really has some dreams on the inside. And if I can just get them over all of their fears and phobias and out of this mindset of I've got, I've got to do this. It's, you know, the way my life has gone. And just start asking. Every person I've ever sat down and talked to had a desire, had a dream. And as they start expressing it, you know, if I'm familiar enough with them to know them, I can put pieces together and say, well, that's why you're like this. This is why you have this type of personality. Man, this fits perfectly with what, and I can encourage them. And I have talked to dozens, maybe hundreds of people that really did have a word from God, but they didn't trust their own desires. They just thought this was them and they dismissed it. Most of us would rather have an angel appear. We'd rather have an audible voice, a burning bush that would tell us what to do. But I'm telling you, it's as simple as if you just put God first in your life and if you sought Him with your whole heart, what is it that you desire to do? Now again, if you desire somebody else's wife, that's not God. You got to check these things out with the Word of God. If you desire to go rob a bank, that's not God. You need to get things lined up with the Word of God. But I'm saying if you truly love God and are seeking Him, what is it that God put in your heart? And you know what? You need to follow it. You know, one last testimony that ever since I got born again, well, not ever since, I got born again when I was eight, but ever since I made this total commitment of my life to the Lord and started seeking Him, I mean within a month, of seeking Him, I knew I was going to minister the Word of God. I knew my life was going to be full-time trying to 
share with other people what God had done for me. And I started dreaming about it. And I remember within a month of God touching my life, Joe Nay, this man who was my mentor, we would drive through the country and see big old mansions and houses set on 20 or 30, 40 acres. And we'd think about, wouldn't that be a great place to have as a conference center and bring people in and just dedicate it to the glory of God. And within a month, we started dreaming about things like that. Did you know ever since then, it's now been 42 years I have been dreaming of having a place where I could bring people and we could just immerse them in the Word and teach them. And, you know, I I wasn't even aware of this. I've done it so much that I never drove anywhere and saw for sale sign without thinking, I wonder if you could make a conference center out of that and bring people in. I wonder if you could do that. I've done this unconsciously. I have looked at hundreds of pieces of property. I have always dreamed of this. Matter of fact, 15 years ago or so, I got so excited about all this, I stayed up for two or three nights drawing pictures of what I believed was going to be a conference center. I just had this desire to have a place where people could come away from all of the pressures of the world, get saturated, soak in the Word of God. And I've always dreamed of this. And it has been so dominant in my life that I've lost sleep over it. And I've actually prayed and asked God, God, take this away if this isn't you. Because it consumed me. I've thought about it so much. And anyway, we had some things happen in 2009 that our ministry is just growing. Our Bible college is growing at such a rate that I couldn't accommodate it. It was obvious that we were outgrowing our building. I made a deal with the church next door and we can use their building up to a thousand people. But that we're going to be out of that within three or four years or something like that. And so if we had to build, we had to do something now. And so we were, we were at a place where we had to make some decisions about the future. And you know, when, we start, when I first started thinking about it, I thought, man, maybe we could have this place and have a conference center or something. But it just seemed too far out there. It seemed beyond our reach. And so I called uh, a bunch of my guys, Larry Bozeman, David Hardesty, and Jim Ertle, others together. And I, the ministry has grown to a place that I can't make this happen. I can give direction, but I can't make those things happen. And so I called them together, and I was going to have a meeting and basically just submit to them what's our next step. And as we drove in, as I drove in, I was praying, and it was scary because I've had all of these dreams of doing these things for decades. And I was about to submit my vision to other people. And if they said, this is crazy, you can't do this. We've got to break the Bible school away from the ministry or even bring the Bible school into first year in one building, second year in another building. You know, whatever, whatever conventional wisdom, whatever the consensus of these guys was, I was basically going to take that as being a word from God. And it was a little scary for me because I'd been dreaming for 40 years and I was about to submit my dream to other people. And I remember praying about it and saying, God, I, you know, it'll be fine. Whatever. And when we got in, long story short, but we thought about every possible scenario. We all, every person agreed. And I didn't steer this, really. I, I asked them for their input. And every one of them says, man, the ministry and the school are so close. The students work in our school so closely 
I mean, in our ministry that really we can't separate them. And so we decided to keep them together. To do that, we had to have a minimum of like, I don't know, 100 acres would have been probably the minimum that we could have had to accommodate everything. And we started talking about how do you come up with 100 acres in Colorado Springs? And it would have cost a minimum of $20 million for like 70 or 80 acres is the best deal that we had seen. And it was hard to come by that much acreage inside of Colorado Springs. And it just wasn't working. So anyway, long story short, the Lord just led us to this place 15 miles from Colorado Springs in a much prettier place, beautiful, and led us to 157 acres that started out at $10 million for 157 acres. And when we got it, it was $4 million. And it has a $3 million lodge on it. The property is probably worth maybe 16 million, 15 or 16 million. We got it for 4 million with a 3 million dollar lodge on it. Somebody asked Jamie, "Do you think that was God?" And she said, "Let me see." <laughs> 20 million for bare land for 70 or 80 acres, 4 million for 157 with a 3 million dollar lodge on it. Uh, we'd have had to backslide on God to keep from doing this. And you know what? Here's, here's my point in saying all of this. I actually told people in 2008 and 2009, and they were asking me about, what do you believe God wants you to do? And I said, well, here's my dream list. Here's what I would love to have is enough acreage that we could have a conference center and accommodate the ministry and the school and do everything. And they said, so is that God? And I said, you know, if it was anybody else... And for 40 years, you had been praying and say, God, take this desire away if it isn't you. And it just persisted and got stronger. If it was anybody but me, I'd say, that's God. But I said, you know, it's just such a huge step for me. I just am not prepared to say that God is God. But I said, if you had to press me, I'd say, that must be God leading me to do it. And for 40 years, I've had this dream in my heart. And I'm in a position right now where all of this is coming to pass. We've bought this property. We're in the process of developing it and doing this. And we're going to raise up. I believe that God is eventually going to have over 2,500 people in our Bible college. And these students will go around the world just like the Forgestons that are in India. We've got people in Uganda, South Africa, the UK, Ireland, Belize. Where else? Thailand. We got people all over the world. They're changing people's lives. And I really believe that God is just doing something awesome. And you know what? 40 something years ago, God put this desire in my heart before I knew any of the details. And I'm in a position right now where I'm seeing a desire that I've had for four decades come to pass. And it turned out it was God. Four decades ago. There are some of you that have dreams in your heart. And you know what? You've just let life beat it out of you. You put it on the shelf and thought, well, that's not me. You know, Moses had a dream in his heart and it took 40 years before he even began to see it come to pass. There are some of you that, you know, if you are just getting up and trudging through life and if it's a drag, if you're... If your job is a drain on you, if you aren't energized, 
If you aren't excited to go to work feeling like, man, I'm making a difference. I believe you've missed God. Your life should be exciting. Serving God is not boring. If you're bored, you have not found God's will for your life. Following God's will is like riding a roller coaster. And I can guarantee you there's going to be excitement at every curve. There is going to be a challenge. And if you aren't challenged, if you aren't stretched, if you aren't excited about the future, you've missed God. God didn't make any of us to just occupy space. And again, that doesn't mean every one of you is supposed to be out reaching millions of people, but every one of you should be so excited. You know, I had a Bible study in Lamar, Colorado, and there were seven ladies who were sisters. And they just, I mean, they got fanatical about God. One of them had a little one-year-old baby that pulled over a motorcycle, one of those 1,100-something motorcycles, and it landed on top of this one-year-old baby and flattened its skull just flat. The lady got up and pushed the head back into the normal shape and prayed over it and commanded it to live and baby came back to life and today is probably graduated from high school. I don't know. And the same lady, she, she had other sisters. Their mother died and they called all seven of the sisters together and they went over and prayed over and raised her from the dead. And she got up and walked two miles into town, bought groceries and came back. <laughs> you know what? These ladies aren't necessarily on television. They aren't preachers, but they're just walking in the supernatural power of God. And Lamar, Colorado knows that they're there and there's been people born again and they're making a difference. Their life counts. And they get to minister to people every single day. God doesn't want everybody in the ministry as such. But He does want everybody in the ministry as such. He does want every one of you to be living a life that is so exciting that, man, you're just excited about what is God going to do with us today. Your life ought to be counting. You ought to be a part of a church where you could be involved and be a part of something bigger than yourself. The American dream is not God's dream. God wants you to be impacting people. I've read about many people and when they die, nobody sits there and at, at, on their deathbed and says, Oh, I wished I'd have had a bigger house. Oh, I wished I'd have had nicer cars. I wished I'd have had more diamonds and jewels. Every person, if you have regrets at the end of your life, it's about, I wished I could have impacted people more. I wished I could have touched more people. It's all people that you think about. God is in the people business. God wants you, every one of you, have a purpose. And it's somehow or another going to relate to changing people. You know, David Hardesty down here had a friend who was a garbage collector. And he believed beyond any shadow of a doubt that God had led him into the garbage collecting business. He says, somebody's got to collect the garbage. It would be unhealthy if you didn't. And this guy collected the garbage and man, he would straighten up everybody's garbage can and always put it in a nice deal instead of just throw it around and break something and throw trash around and he would minister to people and he used collecting garbage to witness to people and he was so fulfilled every day. He got to tell somebody about the Lord. He got to show somebody the kindness of God. I'm not saying you have to be a politician. Can you be a politician and a Christian? No. <laughs> but I'm just saying that you know what? Every one of us 
has something supernatural. God wants to make your life count. Man, your kids, your grandkids, your neighborhood kids, friends and relatives, your life ought to be exciting. You ought to be excited about the impact that God is using. If you aren't excited about your life, you are missing God's will. If you don't wake up in the morning and say, Father, thank you for the privilege of another day. If you wake up and say, oh God, another day. You don't know God's will. And brothers and sisters, I just know in my heart right now that probably a majority of fanatics sitting in this room right now aren't thrilled about your life. You're doing things because situations demand it. You don't feel like you are moving in a, in a specific direction. You're kind of like a pinball that you just pull back the lever and you launch it and it's just boing, boing, boing. You just bounce off things. This job didn't work and so they're going to hire you and you're going to go over here and you don't have any direction from God. It's just, this is the way things have worked out. I'm telling you, that's not God. God doesn't just sovereignly, automatically take you. God reveals Himself to you. I could go into hundreds of examples in the Word. He, you will have an encounter. God will put things in your heart. God will lead you, and there's multiple ways He can do it. But to me, probably the number one way that God just shows you His will and, and you learn how to follow God's will is by putting God first, and then God will give you the desires of your heart. He'll put His desires in your heart. And again, I, I hope I'm not hurting you, but you know, sometimes you've got to terrify people before you edify them. Sometimes you've got to get people with a holy dissatisfaction before they'll change. And there's some of us that have just, we've acclimated to being bland, to not having a purpose, for not being excited about our life. We've accepted it. There's some people that just look around and think, well, everybody's as miserable as I am. <laughs> Nobody has any direction for their life. Well, the sad thing is, yes, the majority of people do not have direction, but I'm telling you that God has a plan for your life. God wants to do something special with you. And you know what? If you would just put God first, to truly delight yourself in the Lord with all of your heart, then God would start changing the desires of your heart. And with some of you, God may have given you desires decades ago that you have just let life force you out of doing what God called you to do. That's not right. God's got something better for you. And I believe that this weekend, one of the things that God wants to do is to teach you how to follow His will. And it could be as simple as just putting God first and then doing the things that you desire to do. Amen. You know, I have people all the time say, well, did you pray about where you should go and what you should do? You know what? Basically, I run my life this way, that I just seek the Lord with all of my heart. And then when people ask me to go places, you know what? I do what I want to do. <laughs> and some people think, oh, that's, how carnal is that? That's spiritual. You know what? I wanted to come to Atlanta. I want to be here. I think we've had a great inroad, an opportunity here, and I'm, I'm excited about this. And I came here because I wanted to be here. I don't do things that I don't want to do. 
Some of you are just appalled at that because you aren't seeking God and you you got a lot of wants that you know aren't right. Amen. <laughs> but I'm saying you can get into a place where you're putting God first and you know what? You just do what you want to do because you trust that God is putting His desires in your heart. Now again, that's not for every person in this room, but for those of you who would put God first and delight yourself in the Lord, God will literally start changing the desires of your heart and you can bank on it. You can trust it. And it'll never lead you wrong. I've given you maybe four or five examples. I could give you a hundred examples at least. No exaggeration. I mean dozens and dozens of times that this has worked in my life. I've proven it. I would recommend it. And let me just say that if you have a desire, if you know that God is first, and if you have a desire and yet you aren't following the desires of your heart, you're disobeying God. That's the way that God leads you. It's not all an audible voice. God's not going to appear in a visible form to everyone. He, God says it in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please Him. God reveals Himself to you in subtle ways. And one of the subtle ways is just when you're seeking Him, He just starts changing the desires of your heart. Jesus could have come on a 747 jet and landed in Jerusalem. But He came in a meek and lowly way, revealed Himself to humble people so that even His parents... Did you know Joseph had to take it by faith that Mary was conceived uh, a virgin birth instead of having a relationship with somebody else? God could have done it in some extraordinary, supernatural, spiritual way, and yet He delights in doing things in a subtle way. When Jesus rose from the dead, there were hundreds of thousands of people that saw Him crucified. All He had to, would have had to have done is just hover over Jerusalem and let everybody see Him. And yet He never appeared to a single person that wasn't already a believer. He could have forced people into believing, but that's not what he wants. He wanted people to believe. And there was enough evidence that if a person wanted to believe, they could believe. But he didn't force anybody. And most of us are praying, God, just show me what you want me to do. He has been through the desires of your heart. He's put desires in your heart that if you would just be bold enough to step out and do it, Man, your life would take on meaning. It would be exciting. It would count. You would change other people. It would be well worth it. But you know what? You've got to get out of the boat. You've got to take a step and get out on the water. And people say, I'm afraid I'll sink. I've got to stay in the boat. Did you know that in Matthew chapter 14, the boat was full of water. They were sinking. There was very little difference between being in the boat and out of the boat. At least out of the boat, you were following God. You were taking a chance. But if you stayed in the boat, they were all going to drown. We're so afraid of getting out of the boat. We want to be like everybody else and get up and go to work and come home and watch television and go to bed and get up and go to work and be in the same rut that everybody else is in. We're so afraid of being different and yet you're miserable. I'm just encouraging you to get out of the boat. What have you got to lose? Well, I could lose my pension. Shoot. Who cares? Who cares? 
I've had people come and say, man, I know God is telling me to come to the Bible college, but I've only got two more years before my full retirement kicks in. I said, well, God didn't know that. He must have told, he, he told you at the wrong time. He should have waited two years. But oh, logic would tell me, I've got to finish out my time so I can get my, you know what? If God puts something in your heart, do it. Do it now. Now there may need to be some wisdom. I'm saying God can lead you and sometime there's a timing, but basically just don't sit still. Make sure you're moving in that direction. You know, one of the things we tell our students all the time when people talk about coming to the Bible college and they say, I believe God is wanting me to do it, but I've got to sell my house. I've got to do this, 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 and this. I said, do something. Do something. Take a step. And they said, well, what can I do? And I said, well, put a $100 uh, registration down and take a step and see what will happen. You know, if you get a boat moving, even if it's barely moving, the rudder can change the direction. But if you are sitting still, you could flip the rudder 360 degrees and you'll never get any direction out of it until you start taking a step. And I tell people, do something. And even if you make a mistake, then you'll know that it was wrong because you won't, you'll say, oh, this wasn't it. But at least you're moving. You got to move. You got to do something. Take a step, move in some direction. And if you aren't totally sure, then don't go full steam ahead. Just move slowly, but start doing something. Move. Make a decision. It's like those lepers that were at the gate of Samaria. I think it, I forget, Second Kings something. And they said, how long are we going to sit here? Till we die? They said, there's a famine in the city. If we go into the city, we're going to die. They were eating cow's dung and eating their own children. Everybody was dying in the city. They said, if we sit here, we're going to die. Let's go out and, and reveal ourselves to the Syrians. The, least they, the most they could do is kill us. It says, we're going to die anyway. If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into the city, we're going to die. Let's go out to the Syrians. And they took a step and went out, put their life in jeopardy. But what good was it anyway? They were going to die. And they just took a step. And you know when they did, all of a sudden, they found out that the Lord had already defeated the Syrians. All of their tents were empty. Their food was still on the fire cooking. They had gold. They had silver. They had raiment. They became wealthy overnight. And they became the ones that brought the good news and brought deliverance to the entire city of Samaria. And they became heroes because somebody finally said, How long am I going to sit here till I die? There's some of you that know you need to do something different and yet you're afraid to do it. It's a definition of insanity to do the same thing and pray for different results. You got to do something. Do something. Even if it's wrong. God could bless doing the wrong thing because you are trying to move in faith more than he could bless doing nothing because you're in oper operating in fear, which is unbelief. It's better to take a step of faith and fail than it is to do nothing and succeed. Man, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's trying to stir you up. If I don't stir you up, you're going to settle to the bottom. You need to be stirred up. God wants you to do something bigger than what you're doing. He wants you to reach your full potential. 
Man, I'm praying that when my life is over, I'm going to look back and say, Father, thank you. I've run the race. I've finished the course. I gave it everything I've got. I'm, I don't want to reach the end of my life and say, you know what? I wished I'd have done what was really in my heart. Boy, to the best of my ability, I'm doing what's in my heart. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. God loves you. God wants you to prosper. And there's some of you trying to get satisfaction and contentment and peace. And you pray and you study the Word and you go to church and you're living a holy life and you just can't understand why you aren't satisfied. It's because you aren't doing what God called you to do. There is a satisfaction that comes with being in the center of God's will that you will never experience being out of God's will. I don't care if you love God and if you're living holy and a blessing to other people. You just need to be where God wants you to be to get that full benefit of satisfaction and contentment. There is a holy dissatisfaction in many of you and you've been trying to get rid of it and rebuking the devil and it's God that's stirring you up and trying to let you know that there's something more. Amen or oh me. Amen. You know, I want to ask tonight, just like I've done in the past, if you've been stirred up and if you can't say that you know for sure that you're doing what God called you to do, I want to have you respond and let me pray for you. And again, let me just... Um, say that this doesn't mean that you feel like you're doing everything perfectly. You know what? I've got some big things out in front of me that I've got. It's going to take a lot. And I haven't reached all of the potential that God has shown me and led me to do. But I can guarantee you I'm heading in that direction. I am taking steps. I'm going that way. I hadn't arrived, but I've left. And so there's some of you that maybe you do have a dissatisfaction and you know you haven't done everything, but you're doing everything you know. And it does take a period of time to see God's will come to pass. So I'm not trying to get you off course. If you've already headed in that direction and you have a goal and you're heading in that direction, I don't want you to respond. But I do want people who say that, you know what, I don't know for sure what God's will is. Maybe you could even say that I am dissatisfied and I am not fulfilled and I know it's because I've got dreams in my heart that I've let go. And man, I need to change. If you're willing to change, if you're willing to say, you know what, I'm going to make a decision. And the, and the first step here, I'm just asking you that if this is you, I want you to stand, identify yourself and say, God, I'm repenting of this and I'm going to make a commitment to move in the direction to find out what this is and to not be the way I am right now next year. If you are willing to identify yourself and say, man, I don't know for sure what God's will is, or maybe I've got these dreams and I haven't been following it, I want to stand and repent of this, and I'm going to get on track. I want you to stand right where you are, and I want to pray for you and believe God to start revealing to you His will and allow you to follow it. Praise God. You know, I don't know exactly what percentage this is, but it's probably 50%, something like that. Again, I'm not saying any of these things to condemn you, but there's many of you that are wondering why you aren't more excited, why you aren't just thrilled, why 
you aren't experiencing the joy and the peace of the Lord, if you don't know what God's will is, if you've allowed yourself to be poured into the mold of this world, you don't have to look any further than this. This is absolutely essential that you find out what God's will for your life is. You know, I believe there's probably some people out there that are sitting down because you don't want anybody to know. I'm going to pray this won't work unless you're standing. You got to humble yourself. If you're going to receive this, you got to stand and humble yourself. Amen. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you and we thank you, Father, for loving us. And I I believe with all of my heart, Father, that you created every person here with a supernatural divine purpose. That, Father, none of us are mistakes. And regardless of how many hardships or problems we've had in our life, the Word says, Romans 11, 29, that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Father, I believe that whatever your original plan was, that you can still make it come to pass, that you have a way of redeeming whatever mistakes we've made. So, Father, for all of these people that have humbled themselves, that have stood, that said that they don't know for sure that they are in the center of your will, that there is a holy dissatisfaction on the inside of them. Father, I'm praying right now that you would just reveal yourself to them. Father, we do what your word says in Psalms 37, 4. We delight ourselves in you. We make a commitment, Father, that we want your will more than we want our own will. That, Father, more than conventional wisdom, more than what our parents told us we had to do or whatever. Father, we want your will. We are willing to lay down our life. We are willing to go anywhere, to do anything. We want to make ourselves a living sacrifice. We want to put you first. You know, if you hadn't prayed that, if this is the first time that with conviction you have really meant that, as I pray these words, I just want you to repeat them and to mean this in your heart to God that, Father, I am making you a living sacrifice. I'm making myself a living sacrifice unto you. I want you to have absolute control of my life. Father, I'm, I'm putting everything on the table, nothing held back. No reservations. I will not limit you. Whatever it is that your plan for my life is, I turn my life over and I delight myself in you. And Father, I believe that you are going to start leading me and giving me direction by the desires that are in my heart. Father, I thank you for it. And I just believe that the Holy Spirit is going to give me wisdom to be able to discern between the soul and spirit between the flesh and the godly desires of my heart. Father, we pray that and I believe that you are doing this for every one of these people standing. Father, we agree and we receive that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You believe that? Hallelujah. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. 
We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.